You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Well, it's good to have all of you here this morning. I'll let you go ahead and be turning uh, to the Christmas story. Again, I'm going back uh, to where Pastor Brian was in the book of Luke in chapter number uh, 2. Luke chapter number 2. But I want to tell you that we are honored to have you here today. It's just uh, uh, your family, your, the presence of your family, the presence of you uh, we, there is no other church that exists that is more honored to have you as our guest today. And we thank you so much for coming and being a part of this Christmas service. It's uh, the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. Amen. And we're just grateful to be able uh, to be here today. Luke chapter number 2, I won't spend a lot of time. I'll get right into my uh, text this morning. Luke chapter number 2, I read, I don't normally read a lot, but I'm a pretty decent, fairly quick reader, and so I'm going to read more than usual this morning. I'm going to start in verse number 1, and let's read down here to verse number 20. And the Bible says, and it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesarea Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth from Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God and the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And they, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Can I bring you back to verse number 7 and then we'll pray. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him, for them in the end. I want to minister this morning. I, I know it may be a different thought, maybe of what you're thinking for Christmas, but I want to minister this thought and take me a little bit to lay the groundwork 
the stable and the heart. The stable and the heart. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray this morning that God would have his way. Father, we love you today and again, what an honor it is. What a blessing it is, God, to be in your presence, to be with your people, to worship, to celebrate this time of year, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God, I call upon you this morning for your help. I'm asking you to anoint the ears of your people to hear, our hearts, God, to receive. And God, I pray that you would anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you to do something I can't do, God, and that is to deal with the hearts of every individual that is here. And Lord, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. It will always be for me impossible and, to be honest, unnecessary to drift away from the simplicity of the true meaning of Christmas for the Christmas service. I pray the Lord allows and my intent is to be sensitive to His voice and always to give what He puts upon my heart. And God has been so faithful to me. I don't, I don't have to go... Uh, I don't say this boastfully, but I, I've not had to go to the internet or to a sermon book to find a, a sermon. The Lord's always told me what to give, and if I'll just be sensitive to His voice, He's always been faithful uh, to, to tell me exactly what to deliver for that service for that particular time and for that people. You're not here by accident. God knows who's here this morning, and I, I believe that He has ordained this moment for you. Christmas, even though it's easy uh, to pollute it in other ways as much of the world has already done. Much of the world has polluted Christmas and made it about something that it's really not. If Jesus is not the center of Christmas for you and for your home, then it's been polluted. And the true meaning of Christmas needs to be brought back not just to our world but to our individual homes. The true meaning of Christmas will always be about God giving a gift that man could not give. God giving a gift that continues to give. God giving a gift in the likeness of a son for the salvation of all of mankind. See, we were lost and we were undone without God. We were separated from God and we were uh, there was no way for us to come back into relationship with the Lord except for Jesus Christ to come and to die for our sins. I need some help, God. Because of the entrance that brought us death and separation, God sent Christ, which is the only source of life. I want you to get that. I want you to understand that. When we fell, when man fell in the garden, we brought upon ourselves a death sentence. And looking around everywhere because God wanted man to live, he had to look for a source of life to replace our death. And the only true source of life that could be found was the source of Jesus Christ. So he gave us life through his son, Jesus. It was without a doubt and is without a doubt the greatest imaginable gift that could ever be given. Brother West read it just the other night in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. But he, was, he ended this exhort about giving, uh, be giving and we being brought into the grace of giving. 
when he was teaching on giving, he was teaching on how that we ought to give out of, the, out of the goodness of our heart because God loves a cheerful giver. And then he set the bar in the last verse there that we thank God for his unspeakable gift. And that word unspeakable gift there, it literally means uh, an undeserved gift and an unmeasurable gift. You cannot compare Jesus Christ that God has given with anything this world could offer you today. He is so much greater than anything this world has ever produced. Christmas is about and has always been, and we see uh, these things coming. It's always been about Christ. And from the very beginning, we see types and shadows. No way I could cover all of them. Christmas is about Jesus. We see that type with a ram that is caught in the thicket that Abraham, when Abraham was ordered to take Isaac up upon the mountain and to offer him as a sacrifice, we see as God called out to Abraham, 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 and stopped him and said, I have provided a ram. That ram was a type of Jesus Christ because when you and I should have died, there was a substitute that took our place to pay the penalty for our sins we also see a type of the ark an ark that provided safety the ark of Noah right before the flood when God looked at the ark and he looked at us he looked at the world and he seen the world was full of sin he told Noah to build an ark the only place to be safe, the only place to be saved, the only place that you could continue to live as you had to get inside the ark. I want you to know uh, in this world, uh, if, if the Lord doesn't return all of us, uh, it is appointed once to man to die. And after that, the judgment and the only place to be safe is in Jesus Christ. The ark is a type of Christ. There is safety for the world today in Jesus Christ. We see the type also of the brazen serpent that was lifted up upon the staff of Moses. And he lifted it up as, a, uh, as he told everybody, to everyone that looks, they shall live. To everybody that looks at the brazen serpent, the brazen serpent was a type of Jesus Christ. And everybody that looked upon him, even though the fiery serpents were all around, even though they were bitten, they would live because they looked at this type of Jesus Christ. And so it is today, Jesus said, as the serpent was lifted up upon the staff, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. I will be high and lifted up above all of the world. But if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And whosoever will look to Christ, they shall live today. The coming of Christ drew near. More detail was given. Isaiah would prophesy and say, Behold, a virgin will conceive a virgin would conceive and bear a son, impossible, except it was a miracle. It would have to be a miracle for a virgin, a woman that had never been with a man to conceive and bear a child. I want you to know today, there is much of the church today that does not believe in miracles. Jesus was conceived in a miracle. He performed miracles nearly every day that he was here. He was resurrected as a miracle. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ and not believe in miracles. Can't be separated. Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God has given us the gift of Jesus God with us to walk with. He walked with us. He fulfilled the law. He was crucified, and he shed his blood that we may live. The minor prophet Micah said, 
He's going to come out of Bethlehem. These are the voices that would raise up. He shall govern and he shall rule over his people. But you need to be watching for a baby that was born of a virgin that would come out of Bethlehem. The angel said to the shepherds, here's how you'll know that it's him. You're going to find him lying in a manger. He'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes because there was no room for him in the inn. The shepherds were amazed, but they went and they found a baby child, a boy child laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. All of the types, all of the signs, all of the voice pointed to this one event where a child would be born that would become the Savior of the world. And I want you to know, as a believer, if you only celebrate the birth of Christ one time of year, something is wrong. Every day, you should celebrate the fact that you have the greatest gift that was ever given to this world. Amen and amen. All that was spoken came to pass. Through Christ, salvation will be given to the world, and whosoever would believe upon him, they would not perish. The gift of life. The gift of life, listen, the gift of life is still the greatest gift that was ever given. It's the greatest gift that could ever be given. I always try to highlight a particular part of the story of Christ in consideration and and being led by the Lord. And today I specifically... I was here praying. I had two or three different thoughts and two or three different ideas that, that I felt was, was good. But I've been pulled specifically to the birthplace of Christ. Not so much Bethlehem, but I want you to think about this. i got a lot of farmers in here today. got a lot of farmers. You're not a farmer. You have a dog. Amen. And so you're going to be able to relate with this also. Not so much Bethlehem, but the stable where Jesus was born. I want you to think about the stable where Jesus was born. They went to a stable because that was the only place that they could find shelter in to have a baby. Can you imagine a mother having a baby in a stable or a stall? No, I can't neither. But this is where she found. I begin to recall some knowledge and look in to a stable because, believe it or not, their stable back in that day was not like a stable or a stall I have today. They didn't have a pray for gate hanging up on the, the stall. They didn't have trusses. They didn't have these things that covered them as I have at my barn. They don't have these things. So I begin to look and think, What in the world did they use for a stall? What could they possibly use for a stall or a stable? Because even materials being limited, they didn't have a Husqvarna chainsaw or a skill saw in their garage. Things were a little bit more difficult to make. So you just made what you had to make. And so most of the materials were used on housing, on lodging, and really not for the animals at all. There's a few places where they found you might have found a shelter if somebody was very rich. But in most cases, a stable or a stall was not like that at all. And as I begin to look at the stable that he was born in, I learn there's a lot of comparison to the stable and the heart of man that does not have Christ. 
the stable where the child Jesus was born because they said there was no room for him in the inn. I want to come back to that in just a little bit. Joseph, his dad, made the best arrangements that he could. He took Mary to that stable. I'm sure he tried to organize. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture in your mind. I'm sure he tried to make it the best as what he could. I'm sure he tried to make it as comfortable as what he could. But some things that we know for sure that are in common, that was very common in that day. Listen, people traveled with their animals, and it wasn't like traveling today. People traveled with their animals. I travel with my my puppy dog, Max, we, he travels with me all the time. But he's in the back seat. I, 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 he's no trouble at all. You won't know he's there unless you turn around and, and you see him. But back in that day, they took their sheep. They took their goats. They took their calves. They took their donkeys. They took everything with them, not having a place to keep them. There was different reasons. I hope I'm not boring you this morning. There was different reasons that they took them. First of all, they had nobody to watch over them. If they was to come back, somebody would steal them or a predator would kill them. Another reason was they was taken to the market. And they took them to market to sell them, but they had to have a place to keep them. The thing that I want you to know is they rarely went anywhere without taking and driving their animals everywhere they went. So a stable was something of necessity, and a stable was not something that was used every once in a while. It was used daily and every single night. The point here, there was all different types of animals. And the stable here most times was a cave. Anybody been in a cave? Most of the times it was a cave. There's not a lot of ventilation in a cave. Not a lot of ventilation in a cave. Most of the time it's moist, it's mildew. Me and Sister Becky went down in the one at, at, at Silver Dollar City one time and she has allergies to mold and things and she's grabbing her nose, sniffling, this thing better end quick or I'm getting back out of here and, and because there's no ventilation. That's the way it is. Now I want you to think about a cave where animals are staying day and night with no ventilation. I was hoping I'd hear a ew. I have horse stalls. And I go in. I don't stall horses, but I bring them in to feed them. They're just in there to eat. I'm telling you, they're just in there a matter of 20, 30 minutes to eat, and I'm letting them back out of the pasture. And I, I don't want to keep them in there. One thing is I don't want to clean their stall, but I want them out. I bring them in there to eat so that they're not fighting with one another, and then we kick them back out. But a couple of times a year, and, oh, that's all you do it? I don't have to do it much because I get them out of there. I don't, unless I've got one sick and I'm doctoring it, I'm not keeping it up. But a couple of times a year, i got to pull the tractor in there, I got to get the, the fork, I got to get a shovel, and I got to start digging. I'm trying to give you a picture, and I got to start digging. Let me tell you something, it mats up, it wads up, it's not an easy job, it's a nasty job. You get down about three or four layers, and then you get a bad ammonia smell starts coming. It's, sometimes it's bad, bad, dusty in some of the stalls, and it's just not a very good time. It's not a very good time. I don't jump up and down and tell Sister Becky, woohoo, I get to clean up horse stalls today. I go out there and I clean them, and when I'm done, I put fresh shavings in. So I know a little bit about cleaning out the stall. Bottom line is, I want you to see this about a stable or stall. There was no filthier place that Jesus could be born. There was not a filthier place that Jesus could be born. The condition of the stable 
And the condition of man's heart is very similar. Because of the fall and the entrance of sin, I want you to know that man is corrupt and man is evil and man is filthy. I know that psychologists would say, oh, we are intrinsically good uh, and we just got to learn how to bring it out. But my Bible says that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, You can't believe both. It is one or the other. I want you to know because we were born into sin, a man's heart and the nastiness and the filthiness of a stable has a lot more similarities than what we think. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5. God saw the wickedness of man. This is right before the flood. It was great on the earth and that every imagination, watch this, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, look, only. That means there wasn't good thoughts coming. They were only evil continually. It literally means here when we look at the definition of just a few words, first of all, wickedness means evil. When he says the wickedness of man, he saw the evil of man. He saw the imagination. He saw what man was conceiving or what man was producing. Out of the heart of man they were producing, they were conceiving evil. And the word thoughts literally means the plan and the intent of man. Listen, I want you to know all of the plans and the intentions of man outside of God are no good they're no good they're of waste Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9 he says this the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it the Bible here God has given us an examination a picture of the heart The word deceitful literally means polluted. It's polluted. It's pollution. It's like trash thrown out on the side of the road. It's like trash that fills your lake and your oceans. It's like trash that is at a landfill. He said the heart is polluted. It is above all things. Not just some things, but above all things. It is the worst. It is the nastiest. It is the filthiest. Just like a stable. There wasn't a worse place to be born of a child than a stable. The heart, deceitful above all things. And then he says this, desperately wicked. I want you to get this, incurable and sick. The heart produces so much evil and sickness that it's incurable. It's incurable. You got to get that because the world don't believe that today. It is incurable and it is sick. You know what I done one time? I didn't have no shavings. My horse friends here will understand what I'm saying. I didn't have no shavings. So I come up with a bright idea. Anybody else come up with a bright idea that didn't work out real good? Okay, I wouldn't amen that either. I thought, you know what? I got some old hay over here. I'll throw this old hay in this horse stall. That old hay will do that serve the purposes as shavings. When I walked away, it looked beautiful. It looked great. I thought, look, I have just come up with a, a, a use for my old hay that I raked up off the ground that I'm not going to feed anyway and save my money of some shavings. Until the time I went to clean it up. Let me tell you something. Nothing matches up worse 
than hay. I mean, they pack it with their hooves and they're wasting on it. There was nothing worse than trying to clean up a horse stall that you throwed hay in. You know what? I learned my idea wasn't a very good idea. You know what the world needs to learn? They need to learn that the heart of man is sick and polluted. And every idea of man is not a good idea. Everything we do to try to make the heart better will only make it worse. The heart is far beyond the cure and the ability of mankind. We're going to need something supernatural. We're going to need the help of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter number 7, Jesus gives us another picture of the heart. He says this, and he said, That which with cometh out of a man defileth a man. From within and out of the heart of man proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. All of these evil things come from within. And verse number 21 says, From the heart of man these things come. And in John chapter number 3 and verse number 7, we look at the conversation that Jesus would have with Nicodemus. And he said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. Born again literally means this. It means to regenerate. But when you look at the word regenerate, it means to be renewed afresh. Get rid of whatever is there. And I've got to bring in something that is brand new. Starting from the top, a fresh start. Get rid of everything that is in here and be born again. I can't walk into my horse stall and put fresh savings on top of horse waste. You can't do that. Because the waste is still there. Jesus can't walk in, allow us to just continue in sin, and give us a good feeling. He's got to clean out those things and start afresh and start anew. I want you to know Ezekiel says about the new heart that when the blood is applied, there's a fresh start. When I go in, you're awful quiet this morning. I hope I'm helping and not hurting. When I walk into my horse stalls, I look at the nasty mess that I've got. I get ready for a job. I get ready. I got my tools there. I'm ready to go. Several trips will I make in and out of that barn getting rid of all of that waste. I got six stalls, and I'm not quitting until I'm completely done. I'll shovel one out, and I'll get it all cleaned. I'll take it out there, and I'll dump it somewhere. I'll come to the next one. I don't quit until I'm finished and I'm done. And when I am done and I've got everything cleaned out, then I come in and I put brand new shavings down, and everything smells fresh, everything smells new, and everything looks good, and I'm ready to go again. I want you to know that's what Jesus Jesus does with us. He starts on the heart and he doesn't quit until he's done, which will never end as long as we're here. He'll shovel, he will dig, he will pull, he will rake, whatever he's got to do, but he will continue to go on and still it's fresh and anew. Ezekiel said, look, God said, I'll put a new heart in you, a fresh and a new, born again, a fresh start, a new start, because that's what it's going to take in order for us to leave it for God. We have a stable, the stable is nasty. So is a heart without God. As nasty as a stable is, so is a heart without God. Two other things that I want to tell you that I want to bring out this morning real quickly. Is that they said, there's no room for you in the end. 
The inn was not like we pull up at a hotel today. You pull up at a hotel and you walk in and you get your room and then you go on. You got somebody that is directing everything. But the inn, a lot of the inns then, you knocked on doors to see if somebody was there. A lot of times, if they said there was no room for you, it didn't mean there was no empty rooms. It meant, according to who you are, is whether we're going to let you stay or not. How much taxes you paying? How important are you? What did you say your last name was? We might let you stay, we might not. But when Joseph and Mary got there, who are you? We're Joseph and Mary. Where are you from? We come up from Galilee. Come up to pay our taxes. My wife is heavy with a child. Her time has come and she's about to give birth. Huh. Well, what do you own? Well, we don't own much at all. Well, you're poor? Yeah, we're probably pretty poor. Not giving a lot of money in taxes, are you? No, we're not giving a lot of money in taxes. But my wife is with a child and she's about to have a baby. Look, we don't have no room for you. We don't have no place for you to stay. You'll have to go somewhere else. That's how the world is. That's how man is. They don't care who you are. Sin doesn't care who you are. Sin doesn't care how bad a shape that you're in, the condition of your heart. But I want you to know this morning uh, that Jesus also don't care. I know you may not have ever heard me say this before, but I want to say it this morning. Uh, anybody and everybody can be free from sin. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how nasty your heart is or how hard the world has been on you anybody and everybody is accepted by Jesus Christ another thing that I want to bring out is this the shepherds who were the lowliest of all people were the first ones that the angels told why was it the shepherds well where was he born he was born in a stable who better to know how to get to a stable than a shepherd. And he went and told a meek and lowly shepherd, he's in a stable, he's in a manger, and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the shepherd knew the way because the angel told him. I want you to know today that it is God's will for us to know the way. It's God's will for us to know the way. There is one way to Christ, or one way to God, and one way only, and that is through Jesus Christ. If I could just talk to you and, and be real serious with you for just a moment, I want you to know this morning, you're not going to heaven because you're a good person. You won't go to heaven just because of your last name. You won't make heaven your home just because of how much money you have or don't have. We will only go by one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Nobody knows your heart next to you better than what God knows your heart. Nobody knows the things that you've been through. Nobody knows the thoughts. Nobody knows the intents. Nobody knows the things that you've suffered better than what God knows your heart. And I want you to know this morning that even in spite all of the pollution, God, just, just back up and be blunt just for a moment. I'm not ignorant to things, especially when it comes to pastoring and congregations coming in. I'm going to be real blunt, and I hope that's okay. I understand that when I step before a congregation, that whoever walked through that door, I have no idea what you've been through. I understand this morning that I have no idea the things that you've suffered. I have no idea the things that you went through as a child. I have no idea of the things that maybe uh, that you've experienced that nobody else knows about. 
I don't know how the world has treated you. I don't know how that people have wasted you. I don't know the heartache that you've been through. I don't know the things that you've suffered. I don't know how many times this world has shoveled waste upon you and tried to cover you up. I have no idea. I know I'm standing before people this morning that has went through physical abuse, abuse as a child. They've suffered heartache. They've suffered loss. They've suffered people leaving. And you're still here today. But I want you to know today that regardless of what you've went through, Jesus Christ, He will shovel through your abuse. He will go through your lies. He will go through everything that has tried to hurt you. You know why? Because God loves you this morning. And Jesus has came to save the world. Came to save the world. He sorted out the filth of this world. And of all of the junk that is in our heart, it doesn't scare Jesus. He's still willing to come. He's still willing. It's my fault. I'm sorry. He's still willing to save whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus says this. No matter who you are, he says this. Listen. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And whosoever will open unto me, I'm going to come in and I'm going to dine with him. <laughs> He's going to have fellowship with you. He's standing at the door and knocking. There is two groups of people in the world today. There are those people that have heard the knock and went over and opened the door and let Jesus in. And there are those that are having to listen to this right here. As he keeps on and keeps on and keeps on knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And whosoever will open up to me, I will come in and I will dine with them. I want you to know that because of sin, all men have been forever separated from God. Because of sin, we have been out of relationship with God. Because of sin, we have been disconnected with God. Because, But because of Jesus Christ coming, there is a way that you can be back in relationship relationship with a God that loves you today. Hallelujah. A God that loves you today. From the very beginning. We go back to Genesis 3. Man was separated. We're going to bring it up. Man partook of a forbidden fruit and imparted to him was a sin nature. Deceitful, wicked, evil. The sin nature polluted us. Listen, the sin nature polluted mankind. Genesis chapter 3, we fell. Round verse Six or seven, we find that we are separated. Verse six and verse number seven, that bring it up, Genesis 3, 6, and 7. The woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together to make themselves aprons. Verse number six is when it all happened. We 
fell out of relationship with God. Quickly, God walks in the garden. And by verse number 15, I want you to see it. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. I brought this up to tell you this, the very day that man was separated from God by sin is the same day that God already had a plan. The seed of the woman would be Jesus Christ. God's not satisfied with man being separated from him because he loves mankind too much. The very day we were separated is the day that he made a plan to bring us back together. Because of sin, our heart is nasty and wicked, same as the stable. But I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to turn Brother Jeff loose to sing this. I don't have an x-ray machine to look at your heart today. I don't know what's going on, what kind of thoughts your heart is producing. I don't know. I've looked at people and people tell me you don't know me and I'm too bad. I'm too far gone. I'm too wicked. I've heard a lot of different things. I'm not going to say I heard it all, but I've heard a lot of different things. I won't say I heard it all because every time I say that, I hear something different. But I've heard a lot of different things of why that people don't live for Christ. All of them excuses. I've had people say, if you're looking for an excuse, you don't got to look for an excuse. The devil's got excuses out in front of you. You ain't got to look for one. I'm too far gone. I'm too bad. You don't know where I've been. I talked to a man one time in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Got off his motorcycle. Been riding with a gang. I was standing outside in front of a church with the pastor. He pulls up. We're about to leave. We're about to go. Pulls up, walks up to us. Both of us together probably couldn't have took him. I worry about things like that. You're in the pitch dark. I start sizing you up. Pulls his bandana off. He said, y'all preach salvation. The pastor said, yes, sir. He said, I've crossed the line. I ought to be in the penitentiary. I've crossed the line. I'm too far gone. We began to minister him the best that we could. He said, you're not too far gone. He said, you don't know how far I've went. I said, but I know how far Jesus went for you. And the Holy Spirit began to move and prayed that young man through, prayed with him, serving God today, come to tell you, he thought his heart was too nasty, it was too messed up, but according to the birthplace of Christ, it ain't the first time Jesus has been born right in the middle of a mess, it's not the first time that he's been born right in the worst place ever, if you say your heart's the worst ever, well hey, He's already accustomed to that. And whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord and make room for him, he's going to come in. It's the greatest gift ever given, the gift of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior.
question right here. Well, is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? Shepherds counting sheep at night that did not fear the glory he lied. Precious in his sight, God has come to raise the lowly. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? Would you stand with me this morning? And come as you are, it may set you apart. Well, you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for his glory. head bowed this morning. I'm just asking you to bow your head, close your eyes to be reverent with the Lord, reverent to your neighbor this morning. Not a single person in here today that's born of a woman that was not born into sin. When we was born into sin, we was born with the condition of our heart being deceitful and nasty and wicked and evil. The birthplace of Christ was special to me to know. There's nobody that knows you better than you and God. Nobody knows the thoughts that we've had. Nobody knows the ideas that we've been thinking about. Nobody knows truly. And there's nobody in here this morning that would want to put all of our thoughts out in the open for everybody to read that you've had for the last week. And the reason that is is because the Bible is true. The heart is deceitful. The heart is wicked. But I also want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is accustomed to being coming in 
to places that are deceitful and wicked and nasty, causing a person to be born again and beginning to clean them up. You won't be the first, and I hope you're not the last. You're not too far gone, and you're not too wasted. Because God loves you, and His love stands for you. As He stands at the door and He knocks, if by faith you'll open that door, it'll be the greatest decision that you ever made. He will come in. We already had one born again this morning. He will come in. He will change your heart. He will clean you up. He will make you anew. This morning, as we quickly approach the day that we would celebrate Christmas, I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't know you, but you know you, and God knows you. And as you think about you, I just want to ask you a simple question. Would you make room in your heart for Jesus today? Would you make room for him today? Whosoever will call upon his name, they shall be saved. How is your relationship with God? How is your relationship with the Lord? This morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm not trying to compel. I'm not trying to win an award. I'm just giving you an opportunity. I want to pray with you before you leave. Right where you stand. If you're here this morning and you honestly examine your heart, knowing the one that we can't lie to and fool is God, you say, my relationship is not what it needs to be. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Thank you, God, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand, this hand. Thank you, God, for that hand, that hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Come on, is that you? Now's your opportunity. I'm going to pray with you, but God's looking at hands. I believe that. That's a sign of faith. You're here this morning. You say, I want, I want to be included. Will you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Thank you for this hand, God. Anybody else? Thank you, God, for that hand. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. My Lord, what a gift to be able to accept Christ. Anybody else? Real quickly. All right, here's what we're going to do. The custom of mine. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not doing this just to fill time. But I want to lead you in a simple prayer this morning. I want you to know that simply repeating a prayer has never saved anybody. But when you believe what we are about to pray, believing is praying with faith. When you believe what we're about to pray and you're about to be born again, Christ is about to come into your heart. This morning I want to ask this congregation to, to, to take part in leading those that raise their hand to Christ. Several hands went up. I'm going to ask you to pray with us today. 
Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I am sorry for the way I've lived. I'm sorry for the sin in my life. And I'm sorry for the things I've done. God, I stand at your mercy today. But you're a merciful God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And right now, by faith, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to help me to live for you from this day forward. I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm washed. And I believe I'm clean by the blood of Christ. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, would you give him a hand clap of praise this morning? Go ahead. Hallelujah. Is there room in your heart? It's a simple chord. Sing it with him. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write And come as you are, and it will set you apart when you make room in your heart for God to write his glory. Above the holes of promised time, every wrong will be made right. The road is straight, the burden is light. In his hands, he holds tomorrow. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write his story? You can come as you are. It may set you apart, but you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.